Welcome to the Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. Oh, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I'm Brother Gregory, and we're going to be talking about the Kingdom of God. And we're in Micah 6 as part, part of our Minor Prophets examination. And one of the reasons why we're going through these Minor Prophets is they all were dealing with the same problems because man has the same problems as he had had from the beginning. And each of these minor prophets they deal with it with slightly different terms or maybe more extensively certain aspects of the problem and one of the problems is that the watchmen on the wall are not being watchmen on the wall the watchmen mountains the mountain of watchmen the uh, mountains are a gathering of people and that's how you get hills and mountains is that's because uh, we're all made of dirt <laughs> or from the we're made from the soil and when you're looking at the language of the Hebrew and so we're all uh part of uh the clay, the Adama, that's what the word in the Hebrew is, is the red clay. And so we're we're that Adama and then of course then you have altars of clay, which is a gathering of men, a gathering of the Adama. And if you gather Lots of different altars of men, lots of different men, you know, you get a congregation of ten men, heads of families, that's an altar of clay. And they're just a free assembly. They can leave any time they want, they can come any time they want, they're, there's no forced taxation or forced contribution, you... It's all about sharing, it's about love, that's what binds you together, appreciation, learning to trust one another, learning who is who in a congregation, and that's an altar of clay. You can also have altars of stone. A gathering of stone in the Hebrew language is a gathering of friends. But why are they stones rather than just clay? Well, if you heat up clay, it becomes a stone. It becomes a rock. It becomes something hard that you throw it in water and it doesn't dissolve like clay will dissolve and become mucky if you throw it into the water. But uh, once you fire it, then it's a stone. It's hard. And so they understood all this stuff. And when they were writing this language out, which is a code, it's actually a code to be written and read, not pronounced. That's why there's no vowels in it. They're telling you something about a way in which to be a part of the government of God, which we call the kingdom of God. It's where God is your your ruler, your king, your supreme being. And there is no God, small g's, between you and that God deciding what is good and evil for you. Now, you're not supposed to decide what is good and evil. That's how you got into trouble to begin with, is you tried to decide. You hated the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And you, you, you realized that you were unable to do that because you're naked. You don't have any authority. You can't. I can have my opinion of the truth. Of what is good and evil. You can have an opinion of what is good and evil. 
But it's only this creative force, entity, God of creation whose opinion of good and evil is actually good and evil. Our opinion may become very close to his opinion, but his opinion is reality. Because he is, I am that I am. He is the actual, you know, whatever God is, he is the God of creation. His, he is the compilation of the laws of love built into creation. And I'm using some of these terms because we're going to look at those terms or look at Micah 6 in those terms. And uh, what happened, if we go all the way back to, you know, the beginning of Micah, and I have it all summarized at preparingyou.com, so you can go there and you can see it. And we have uh, audios up of a lot of the past shows that we've already done on this. And uh, you can see what Micah chapter 1 was about, Micah chapter 2 was about. And of course, there were no chapters in the original writing. We've come along and we've separated out chapters. We've even separated out paragraphs. And and it's been translated. And we'll, I just put up, well, I actually had the page up for some time called The Rod, T-H-E, capital R-O-D, at Preparing You. And that has that page has to do with this phrase that we see in uh, uh, Judges or Proverbs, excuse me, Proverbs uh, about spare the rod and spoil the child. I mentioned Judges because there I was just expanding that page, and there are numerous words in that verse. Spare the rod and spoil the child. Where you really want to look at the original Hebrew. Because in the original Hebrew, you'll have a word there that can be translated rod. The same word is more often translated tribe. But uh, why would you have a word translated rod and also translated tribe? Well, because the tribe is composed of branches. Each family is a branch. There's that metaphor again. Those man is this Adama, this clay. A tree grows up out of the clay. So to the natural mind, they connect these ideas. And a tree has many branches, all a part of the same tree. And from those branches, depending on the tree, you can actually cut off a branch and turn it into a rod. And it's made of wood. And wood trees are sources of wood, of food, of shelter, of all sorts of things. So all these things are connected in the natural mind. But most of you have been moved to the cities, and you don't you don't see nature and work. So you may miss some of the allegories and metaphors. And if you go back to the original Hebrew, this is what we're showing you in in the article, The Rod. And uh, it doesn't have anything to do with beating your children. As a matter of fact, if you have to discipline your children by beating them, you, you have probably already screwed up a long time before you started whipping them. That it just doesn't work. But anyway, I'm probably going to do another show on that. I've done lots of shows on this, but I'm going to do one eventually and we'll put up 
the audio on the page so you can actually listen right when you go to that page and we will take you through the language step by step because there's some fascinating things about the words and how they're linked together in that verse and why where else are those words used and what is the real key to disciplining your children it would be the same key that Christ used it would be because Christ is representing on earth the character and nature of God he was one with God that's why they call him the Christ he was anointed of God and so we see shadows of Jesus in people like Abraham who would not take a buckle you know, you know, give me the people, but you take the stuff. I'm not going to take the stuff. I'm not going to give you the people either. The people can go where they want. He's setting people free. Gideon, I and my sons will not rule over you. Moses, who was the rightful heir of the throne of Pharaoh, did not want the throne. He wanted to set the people free. And Jesus was as the Messiah to return every man to his family and every man to his possession. Now, Cain, Nimrod, Pharaoh, Caesar, FDR, all those guys are instituting systems of force where they force the contributions of the people, something Saul tried and ruined his kingship. He was His kingship was going to be lost to him because he forced a sacrifice. Today, modern Christians force their neighbors to contribute to almost everything they want. Today we've got like a hundred million Americans unemployed because of COVID. No, not because of COVID, but because they shut down people and they were able to do this because your soothsayers and, and witchcraft of those who you look to for your watchmen on the wall led you into Fear and covetousness. They got everybody taking a stimulus check that is provided to them at the expense of everybody else. They want to pay off all your student loans by putting the burden of debt on everybody else who didn't take a student loan. And you say, yeah, cool, they're out there burning their student loans. We're not paying this back. We're going to make our neighbors pay this back. (laughs) You are headed for destruction. And of course, that's what Micah is telling you. And who should have been warning you to fear not COVID? More people are already dying from the vaccination, the thing they call a vaccination, which is a biological agent, an experimental biological agent that has not been tested, no animal testing. The only animals they tested it on was you. And just as they overreported the deaths of those who supposedly got COVID, did not die of COVID, did not die from COVID, but died with maybe, maybe with COVID, there is no PCR test that can tell you that you actually have COVID. The guy who invented the test says it does not do that and should not be used for that. But they're not telling you that. that. Because your soothsayers are CNN and 
in NBC and all these, you know, whatever country you're in. It's this media that has been controlled by somebody who is spreading fear for a lot of different reasons. Yeah, there is some conspiracy behind it. Conspiracy, history is just a series of conspiracies. It only makes it a conspiracy because you don't know. It's done in secret. But to the watchmen on the wall who listen in the spirit to God, they see this coming. We told you right away. We were showing something doesn't add up by what they're telling us. I had people coming to me saying, you need to be afraid. Because you're old and you have bad lungs. If you get this, you're going to die. And they were telling me I needed to be afraid. And I thought like, what? (laughs) But I did not listen to them. I listened to the still small voice. And so I was not afraid. And so when I got it, I got better right away. I was back at work. Just a day or so later, I took couple days of rest and was back at work. Had a little dry cough for a while, but I got better. I didn't probably even need to get sick. And if I was really the picture of health that I should be, even at my ancient age, I, I probably could have avoided that. But having it gave me insight because when I had it, I was listening in, in my body, in myself, saying this is interesting, observing it. And turning to that still small voice to find out what is this really all about. And it led me to more answers. And we share them at Preparing You in our articles like The Science or The Shutdown or Coronavirus. And, of course, you're not going to take my word for it. So I I glean the hedges for men who should know. The actual top scientists of of the world, not just in the United States, but in Germany and other countries. These are the top most cited epidemiologists in the world, most cited epidemiologists in the United States. And uh, because they were considered the most intelligent, most experienced, most uh, published uh, scientists, they're all saying This is not what they're saying in the news. This is not that dangerous. Children hardly even get it. People are not dying from it. And they almost all, to a man, warn that they are very concerned about the so-called vaccination, including the vice president of Pfizer, former vice president of Pfizer and the head of the science department, Yadin, warns that you should not be getting this shot if you ever wish to have children. Man or woman. And there already are getting reports of the fact that the the uh, bio-agent that they're injecting into you to get your body to reproduce this bio-agent that includes the S1 protein, which is a synthetic protein, your body is going to actually produce a synthetic protein. That's what they're trying to do. This is the reaction that they're trying to produce. That your body is now genetically producing a bioagent. Not something that comes from another creature, but something that was synthesized in a laboratory. Then you can go read other science reports from Dr. Suzuki at the University of Georgetown 
had an extensive, after hundreds of autopsies and examinations of people who got COVID, examinations of of uh, what is considered these vaccines, he says that this S1 protein can cause serious, serious complications. Now, of course, now Yadin had said this, and he was from the ground floor in Pfizer. But now this other high up, well-respected medical expert who's done all kinds of tests is saying this S1 protein that they're trying to get your body to replicate in your body and spread throughout your body and be able to be spread to other people through bodily fluids at least that just touching the S1 protein just touching the heart muscles, smooth heart muscles, will cause hypertension because it will cause a thickening of those cell walls. It will also affect your lungs, just as COVID affected your lungs. I just had uh, a neighbor's father die after getting the COVID shot of lung problems that he didn't have before. He'd gone to doctors many times. His lungs were supposedly great, no problem. He gets the vaccination, and shortly after, he's on a ventilator because he's dying because his lungs are not functioning right. Now, that's not going to be considered a vaccine death, but why did his lungs suddenly go bad? What happened? Uh, someone sitting here right in the studio knows two people that have died directly from the vaccine almost immediately. You know, within a short time after getting it, they died. But most of the people that will die from it will die of other things that are caused by it. Because it will affect the placenta, it will affect... And this is according to Dr. Suzuki. I'm just quoting him. And if you go to Preparing You and look up the science in that article we have links to his actual study published last year but nobody your watchmen are not telling you about it because your watchmen don't see they sit in darkness they don't understand what's going on and you keep looking to them expecting them to enlighten you when they themselves sit in darkness Now, if you want to see, you have to seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness in spirit and in truth. Which means you have to repent of many of the things that you think is okay, but Christ forbid. Christ forbid many things, commanded some things. And most Christians are not doing what Christ commanded. And they're actually doing what Christ forbid. They're actually doing what Christ said made the word of God to none effect. And so you have to repent of that, turn around and go the other way. And if you do what he commanded, you will gather together and become that mountain. And on that mountain will be the watchmen who will show you, not just by their own word, they will show you And the light that they show you will show you what to do about what is going on. A lot of people want, how do I avoid the vaccination? Seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Do what Christ commanded. Somebody had their child taken away uh, because of 
I won't go into the details of it, but it was on the network. And uh, Children's Services took one of their children away. And uh, they want to know what to do. Well, have they sat down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands? Have they gathered together with the character of Christ? Which means that you are gathering together to save others, not to save yourself. Because once you start doing what Christ actually said, what Moses actually said, what Abraham was actually doing when he was setting up his altars of clay and stone, if you were actually doing that, you would have the means and the tools to be protected from the ways of the world. And if you did this, the more you do it in earnest, in word and deed, you will get the spiritual protection of God. And I've told dozens of stories of how that works. And it's it's just, you don't have any control over it. But if you go into a courtroom, if you go into the streets, if you walk amongst people who are rioting, you will have protection according to the Spirit of God. It's not something you can just conjure up, but it is something that will walk with you if you are willing to walk with God. But you're not going to be walking with God, walking with the Holy Spirit, if you will not even see the basics of the gospel and understand the warnings of the apostles. Through covetous practices, you will become merchandise. You will return to Babylon. You will return to Egypt. You will curse your children with debt. And that's what we see going on in the news. And the fact that people don't know what to do about what's going on in the news, in the news is because not only do their ministers sit in darkness thinking that they are the comforter. This is one of the things I, I've seen over and over again with a lot of ministers. They want to be the comforter. They want to sit on this pedestal, this pulpit, And people look up to them and hang on their every word. They have this captive audience because people go go to church because they think the church is a building. And they listen to these sermons given by men who want to become your comforter. And, you know, rub their Bibles and their teachings about Jesus like rubbing a genie in a lamp. And somehow they will conjure up the Holy Spirit. And then they will sometimes do a lot of singing and dancing and everything. Nothing wrong with singing and dancing. But they will do it to generate a feeling. And and an emotion. And get you to want to come back. You know, they'll change the music to get you to come to their church. Just like they used to serve rice at the churches in China. And they would get lots of converts until the rice ran out. Because they were called rice bowl Christians. Well, now we have music Christians, emotional Christians. But if you want to have real Christians, the comforter is the Holy Spirit. And you will walk, not afraid, but you will walk towards and in the ways of righteousness. And Micah is telling you how to do that. And so we're going to have to look closely at Micah to understand where he is trying to take us. We'll be right back. Well, welcome back to the Keys of the Kingdom. And we're looking at Micah, which is, and we're in 
chapter 6. And I've done a, a, you know, kind of a looking at each of the uh, chapters each time we began another chapter to kind of bring you up to speed. Well, we won't go through all of those chapters. But I will share with you that, uh, you know, after I, when I re-edit these programs and to get them ready to put up on the net so that you can see each program that deals with each chapter. I'm, uh, I'm, I'm going back over what I had already written and sometimes adding more footnotes so that you will have a better understanding or can obtain a better understanding by going through those footnotes. So all that is, is just kind of a work of love, hoping that you will begin to understand these things in greater depth. But really what comes where your understanding has to come from is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit come, it listed where it will, but it comes when you repent and repenting is thinking a different way. And if you're going to think a different way but not act a different way, then your thinking is daydreaming. It's only when you turn what you think differently into actions that are different and by your actions we shall know whether or not you're truly repentant. That's what James is telling you. That you're not saved by what you do, but what you do or don't do tells us whether or not you're saved because by your deeds, we know if you have real faith. Now, we could be wrong. We could be deceived. You can be deceived by your own actions. But uh, the more you come together in those altars of clay, those free assemblies and congregations, and then use your minister not as your comforter, not as your guide. Your guide is the Holy Spirit. Your What your minister is supposed to do is make you a part of the kingdom of God by connecting you with all the other people seeking the kingdom of God in his righteousness. Because you isolated out in the woods by yourself or isolated in the cities by yourself or in your little home church by yourself, that's not the kingdom of God. That's just your little local club or just your family hiding away in the woods. None of that is the kingdom. That isn't the way of the kingdom. Even when Jesus was going to go to Jerusalem and they knew it was dangerous to go to Jerusalem because there'd already been assassinations. And they they were trying to warn, Peter was trying to warn Jesus not to go. Get ye behind me, Satan. No, I'm not content to hide in the wilderness. I am a voice in the wilderness, so was John the Baptist. But they got him too. But there was a purpose to that. There was a plan to that. Everybody wasn't executed who became a Christian. A very small number of people who became Christians were actually executed. And it was a test for some. And they will willingly accepted that that test. But there is evil afoot. And just to review quick, we'll just look at uh, Micah 5 to go back there where it says, uh, Now gather thyself in troops, O daughter of troops. He hath laid siege against us. They shall smite the judge of Israel with a rod upon the cheek. 
Remember that strike of a cheek, turn to them the other cheek, and there's that word rod. Is that the same word that we see in the rod, in spare the rod and spoil the child, or is that one of the other words? Well, we cover that in in the chapter on the rod, so you'll just have to go look at that. But this idea that there are troops, and we show how there are two different words. They're actually numbered as if they are the same word, but... Gather thyself in troops, uh, O ye daughters of troops. Well, the word that you see, daughter of troops, that particular word, with the letters that are accumulated there around the root word, is often raiders. Those who go out and raid and pillage and uh, plunder. But the first word, gather thyself in troops, is one that is supposed to be gathering in faith, hope, and charity. So somebody asked me, how, how do you sum up the gospel of the kingdom? Well, there's hundreds of ways to, to sum it up. But if you're either thinking that it's okay to live by force, fear, and fealty, in other words, forcing your neighbor to contribute to your welfare through men who exercise authority, something that Christ forbid us, It is not to be that way with you, but is that way with 90% of the people calling themselves Christians today to one degree or another. They depend upon men who exercise authority one over the other to provide them with benefits at the expense of their neighbor. That's living by force, fear, and fealty because you go under the authority. If you think it's okay that the government take away from your neighbor... To provide you with benefits, which is called the wages of unrighteousness or the rewards of unrighteousness. We have articles on that. If you think that's okay, you're going to make the word of God the none effect. And those men who call themselves benefactors, they have every right to take away from you. And to take and take and take and take, as it says in Samuel 8. Because you thought it was okay to take away from your neighbor, it's now okay to take away from you. As you judge, so shall ye be judged. Isn't that not what Christ said? And so, there you have it. That, that kind of sums it up. The gospel says, live by faith, hope, and charity, not force, fear, and fealty. Not to look to men who exercise authority to take away from your neighbor. Or to pay your student loan, or whatever it is. You're not supposed to be doing that. If you're a Christian, you wouldn't do that. If you're a fake Christian, you will think it's okay. But you're probably going to have to hire some minister to tickle your ears and say, Oh, no, that's okay to covet your neighbor's goods and to put your children more and more in debt, trillions of dollars in debt. That's probably okay. As long as you believe in Jesus... How is it that you believe in Jesus when everything you do is opposite of what he said to do and everything you do is against the teachings of Jesus? It's just, it just doesn't fit. So during the break, so anyway, that's the troops you're supposed to be gathering in is the ones who live by faith, hope, and charity. And that's what why we have created this network. It's just an email network on... On the website at preparingyou or hisholychurch.org, you can go there and join. If you're in Texas, join the Texas group. If you're in Oregon, join the Oregon group. Some of the states have so few people in them. Uh, at this time, 
they don't have their own group. So if you're in Alaska, you'll probably join the Oregon group. But it's up to you to create your own outreach and get more people in Alaska or Hawaii or Idaho and get to know those people and spread. And we give you the tools. We show you with the, everybody should be, who gets podcasts or may want to get podcasts. When you're driving, you can get a podcast on your phone, play it through your radio or just play it on your phone. Keys of the Kingdom. We we send them out every week, hours, three hours a week usually. We have going out, going through these different aspects of the gospel. And, and it connects the Old and New Testament because those are our two witnesses. They're both witnessing the same thing. Somehow they divide and conquer. They say, well, the Old Testament is this one witness and the New Testament is another. And they take a couple little verses out. But Christ is quoting the Old Testament, which said that you were to love your neighbor as yourself. That's what the Old Testament said. That's what Jesus said, to love your neighbor as yourself. Do you do that? Uh, evidently, you don't. Because you covet your neighbor's goods through the men who exercise authority. But like I said during the break, I looked up, I was looking for a particular quote, but I found another one instead. <laughs> so, and it's in Ezekiel, who is not a minor prophet, but he, and I thought it was just so apropos for our particular subject today that I thought I'd read it to you. So in uh, chapter 22, verse 23, I mean, I could go back to verse 22, but then I would probably want to go back to verse 21. <laughs> so, we'll just start with uh, verse 23, which they say is the beginning of a chapter. The word of the Lord came unto me, saying, Son of man, say unto her, Thou art the land that is not cleansed, nor reigned upon in the days of indignation. There is a conspiracy of her prophets in the midst thereof, like a roaring lion ravening the prey. They have devoured souls. They have taken the treasure and precious things. They have made her many widows in the midst thereof. Her priests have violated my laws and have profaned my holy things. They have put no difference between the holy and the profane. Neither have they showed difference between the unclean and the clean. And have hid their eyes from my Sabbaths. And I am profaned amongst them. Goes on to talk about her princes in the midst thereof. Are like wolves ravening the prey. The whole shutdown is going to kill millions of people. And millions of people are already beginning to suffer hunger, starvation, etc. And the people who are now won't even go back to work, 100 million people supposedly un unemployed, won't go back to work. They can't find uh, people who will take the jobs that are available. And now the government that now sits, uh, these princes that now sit in power say that, oh, we're having all these wonderful things happening in the economy and this growth and everything. There, it's not growth. It's people struggling to get back to work, starting business. 
They're actually with one hand reporting how good things are going. With the other hand, they're shutting businesses down. Saying, oh, this business is not essential. So we're not going to let this start up. We'll leave the guys who are already in place. Uh, They will take care because we don't want... And they're actually strangling you at the same time they say they are restoring you. But the media, which is your soothsayers and your prophets, are lying to you and deceiving you. And so you can go read the rest of that, but we're going to get back to Micah. Because it's you today. The people of the land have used oppression and exercised robbery and have vexed the poor and the needy. Vexing the poor and the needy? How do you do that? Well, LBJ started it. FDR started it before him. What happened, the black community, which is our canary in the coal mine in this instance because they targeted them, but now they're targeting everybody, everybody who gets a stimulus check. They had like 3% children being raised by single parents. Or 3% of the families had were raising children as single parents. But with, when LBJ took over, it went to over 60 and now it's over 75. Because he targeted the black community to get their vote. He was buying their vote with this welfare. Coward and Piven knew it, but their goal was also to bankrupt the system. All that's done. We report on all that at Preparing You. You can look it up. I mean, they published this. They said this is what they were going to do. It's not a conspiracy because it's a secret. It's a conspiracy because it's secret from you because your prophets, your soothsayers, your fake news isn't telling you. So you think because they don't tell you it's not happening. But it is happening. And now you're going to reap the whirlwind. It's time to repent. He goes on to say, and they committed whoredoms in Egypt. They committed whoredoms in their youth. They were their beasts pressed. And they bruised the teats of their virginity. What is that? Full of metaphors. I'll just have to save that for another time. We'll have to go back to Micah. We won't get through it. But uh, And it has a really good message in, in Micah 6. It, the whole thing, remember, this 1 through 7, Micah, it's all one message. It's not like there's one message in this chapter and one message. It's all the same. There's, and he repeats it several different ways so that you will understand it. So verse 1, Micah 6. Hear ye now what the Lord saith. Arise, contend thou before the mountains, and let the hills hear thy voice. Hear ye, O mountains. So now this is what this is what the voice in the wilderness is crying unto the mountains. Hear ye, O mountains, the Lord's controversy, and ye strong foundations of the earth, for the Lord hath a controversy with his people, and he will plead with Israel. O my people, what have I done unto thee? And wherein have I wearied thee? Testify against me. 
You know, tell me, what did I do wrong? What what have I done wrong? Well, it isn't God. God didn't do anything wrong. You rejected God. The Lord hath a controversy. What is that controversy? Resh yad biet is the Hebrew word. Cause, strife, controversy, contention. That's what it means. A quarrel. The Lord has a quarrel with you. You're at enmity with God. Why are you at enmity with God? With his people. With his people are those who say they are Israel. That's who his people should be. But there's many people who say they are Israel, say they are Christians, say they are followers of Christ, but are not. And he has a controversy with you because, what is it? Because you've returned to the bondage of Egypt. Uh, His people were never to return to the bondage of Egypt. If they were to have a king, a ruler, a a president, a commander-in-chief, Deuteronomy 17.16 says, Write these five things down in your constitution. And one of them included... Never do anything to return the people to the bondage of Egypt. What was the bondage of Egypt? 20% of your labor, one-fifth of your labor belonged to the government. Well, that hasn't happened since Egypt, has it? Or has it? (laughs) I'm being sarcastic. Sarcasm alert. Moses delivered them out of the bondage of Egypt, but your modern... Prophets and soothsayers and watchmen in the wall have allowed you to be delivered back into the bondage of Egypt. That's the controversy. You weren't to go back. You were never to go back there again. If you had a constitution that was to be written in that constitution that the leader, your king, your president, your prime minister could do nothing to return you to the bondage of Egypt. Well, FDR did. Now, there was a lot of challenges against FDR that a lot of things he was doing at the beginning were unconstitutional. But the reality is is that what he did was he created, he literally created czars, you know, dictators. He actually used that word, dictators, over programs that you could sign up for. You could sign up for benefits. To get these benefits, knowing... Oh, well, that you were going to obtain those benefits at the expense of your neighbor. And that's what he did. Uh, but the people did not remember. You know, you go to Exodus 13.3. And Moses said unto the people, Remember this day in which ye came out from Egypt, out of the house of bondage. For by strength of hand the Lord brought you out. From this place, there shall no leavened bread be eaten. What is the symbol of leavened bread? Well, we won't go into that in detail, but just think about it. Regular bread without leavening, it's, it is what you see. But leavened bread will get puffed up. It will look like more bread than it actually is, because it's full of air. And there's a good point to leavening bread. I mean, because it actually breaks down some of the uh, nutrients so they can become a little bit more nutritional. 
But uh, unleavened bread won't necessarily hurt you anymore. But there's a lot of things. It depends on, <laughs> is it GMO wheat? <laughs> so anyway, Deuteronomy 5, 6. I am the Lord thy God, which brought thee out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Go into Deuteronomy 6, 12. Then beware lest thou forget the Lord, which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Deuteronomy 8.14 Then thine heart be lifted up and thou forget the Lord thy God which brought thee forth out of the land of Egypt from the house of bondage. Go on in Deuteronomy 13.5 You can go on into Numbers 14.4 And they said one to another let us make a captain and let us return into Egypt. And then, of course, Deuteronomy seventeen sixteen. But thou shalt uh, not multiply horses to himself. This is what the king, the instructions to the king, the the president, the prime minister. Does that mean multiply horses to himself? Does that have anything to do with becoming a horse rancher or horse farmer? No. It's a metaphor. Why would he multiply horses to himself? The key word there is to himself. The horses, that's his cavalry. His his soldier, his secret police. Whatever. To himself. Its loyalty is now to him. Well, you'd have to understand the kingdom of God, every man is a policeman. And he should be a policy man of God. And operate according to the policies of God, which is to love thy neighbor as thyself. But you've become the policy of covet thy neighbor's goods. And you hire men to go to your neighbor's house and take away his house, take away his sweat and blood, anything that is his that you can take that is of value, so you can have free stuff. How in the world do you think you're a Christian? You're not even a Jew. If you're doing that, you're not a follower of Moses. And of course, this is what Christ came upon because the Pharisees had instituted to King Herod a system of Corban that was no longer free will offerings. And he did it by getting the people to sign up to programs with men who exercised authority and forced the contributions of the people, forced the sacrifice of the people. Something, if you go read our article on Saul, Saul, you've done this foolish thing. You forced a sacrifice to the people. This was forbidden in Old Testament and the New Testament. It was not to be that way with you according to Christ. It is that way with you today. You are following false religion. And this is why you have, as it says in Deuteronomy 17, 16, nor caused the people to return to Egypt to the end that he should multiply horses. Multiply horses again? Have he got to multiply horses if you're going to go to the people's houses and force them to contribute to your welfare. Now they just passed a law in Oregon that if you have a gun in your house, you know, last night at 3 o'clock, heard coyotes outside. And so I hopped up, grabbed the shotgun hanging over the door, and ran out in my pajamas <laughs> out to see if the coyotes were getting in the sheep. And I snuck around the back of the shop and 
and shine down there and the sheep were still spread out so the coyotes were actually a little farther away in the house I couldn't tell what direction the noise was coming from so they were around but they were probably eating jackrabbits and so the sheep were safe but now with this new law if someone were to come visit us in our house and they were not allowed to own a gun because say they were a felon and they were in proximity to the gun that is hanging over the door or hanging over your mantle at your fireplace or whatever, you know, or in the drawer by your bedstead. And it's not under lock and key. And they came in the house and they could get access. They don't even have to touch it. You go to jail. Not that guy. He's not going to go to jail. He used to be that, you know, if a felon came into your house and touched a gun that he was not allowed to own because of the fact that he was out on parole as a felon and he can't own a gun. He would go to jail if he touched that gun. Now, he doesn't even have to touch it. He just come into the same room and you go to jail. New law. Meanwhile, they're letting criminals go. And you know, serious criminals go and threaten you. They want violence in the street. Force, fear, and violence. That's how they operate. You need to repent. We'll be right back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So, we're still in the first paragraph of Micah, but uh, I did want to share that uh, Ezekiel with you because he used the C word, conspiracy. And, of course, all history is a conspiracy. Uh, it's a series of people trying to gain more and more power through covert or coveting means. And uh, that's where you're at today. And this is why uh, God is asking about this controversy between those people who should be his people but are at in conflict with Christ. You know, the Christian conflict was that Christians would not sign up for the social welfare of Rome provided through the temples of Rome. They had their own religion. You can read it in Justin the Martyr, 150 A.D. He's telling you that this is, he's writing the emperor, Antonius Pius at that time, who was the uh, mentor of Marcus Aurelius, who followed him as emperor. And uh, he was writing Antonius and saying, uh, Hey, Antti. Anthony, or whatever his name was, I don't know, I doubt he, probably very formal, he was a very formal Greek scholar. He's saying, this is the way we do it. Now we know how Rome did it, they had their free bread and circuses, and they taxed people, and they took from people, and they took from their enemies, and they pillaged, and they plundered, and often looked for excuses to pillage and plunder, to take, uh, the value from this country or that country, including the inhabitants. I mean, Caesar got wealthy selling Gauls as slaves all over the Roman Empire. He sold millions and millions of dollars worth of slaves that he connived. We've covered this in show. He connived to keep them, to to get them to fight him. He bombarded them with his catapults, fiery catapults, of peaceful people to get them to fight him so he could defeat them, capture all their women and children and sell them into slaves. 
because that's how he funded his army. And all that came about because they changed the way in which they formed their army. Because it used to be a voluntary militia. But because they were moving towards this idea of welfare by government force and collection, they also had to move towards this idea of military by forced offerings. Which, of course, is what Saul was doing, if you understand the Saul syndrome and understand the foolishness of Saul that caused him to lose his kingdom, was that he forced a sacrifice to provide for the military, a good thing. But you're not supposed to do it by force. You're supposed to do it by voluntary offering. And, of course, that's the way we used to do it in America. That's the way we won the revolution. We didn't really win World War II. Uh, we didn't really win World War One. We defeated an enemy, but we didn't win because FDR was a socialist and Hitler was a socialist. And while, uh, if you go all the way back even to Woodrow Wilson and setting up the Federal Reserve and income tax and all these things and Social Security, which was the Corbin that makes the Word of God to none effect, that's all set up by socialists. By people thinking that way. Christ was not a socialist. He was returning every man to his family and every man to his possessions. But you don't get to go there if every man doesn't want to go back and accept his personal responsibility to care about his neighbor as much as he cares about himself. That's what you do if you want to protect your children and your family. And you you have to want to protect your neighbor's children and their family as much as you Want your own to be protected. And you have to gather together in those free assemblies, those altars of clay. And if you want to have a national or even an international kingdom of God on earth, then you have to connect those altars of clay with altars of stone, which is a gathering event. Men who have the Spirit of Christ in them, who don't sit in darkness, who actually love their neighbor and are willing to come and sacrifice themselves, their time, their energy, so that you might be saved. They didn't come to save themselves, to save their stuff. They came that you might be saved. That's the Spirit of Christ. If your minister is not coming in that name, and that spirit, and that character, he's not coming in the name of Christ. If he's not, if he's saying, oh no, you get to go to Caesar and ask for all the benefits you want, you just come to my church and we'll sing a few songs and we'll get a good feeling and we'll pretend to be followers of Christ. That's what most people are doing. That You need to repent of that. So anyway, this controversy, that's it. You're, you're not doing what Christ said. You're not doing what God has said from the beginning. What all the prophets have said. And Micah is telling you that. For I brought thee out of the land of Egypt and redeemed thee out of the house of servants. And I sent before thee Moses, Aaron, and Miriam. My people remember now what Balak King of Moab consulted, and what Balaam, the son of Baor, answered him from Shittim unto Gilgal. 
that ye may know the righteousness of the Lord. So Balaam, I have a link there on the page, and you go to an article on Balaam, which Balaam and the Nicolaitans have a great deal in common. The, the Bible tells you this in the New Testament, in Revelation, that Balaam and Nicolaitans are committing the same error. And that's why Balaam means conquered people and Nicolaitan means conquered people. This is why why the same meaning to the same words, one Hebrew and one Greek. Because they're doing the same thing. How are they conquered? Because they love the wages of unrighteousness. On that page at Preparing You, we have another link to the article on wages of unrighteousness. What is that? That's the benefits you get by forcefully taking away from your neighbor or borrowing against the future of your children so that you can have stuff today. That's the violation of the Sabbath. You're borrowing today and now you're going to owe your labor tomorrow except you won't be able to work long enough to pay off the trillions of dollars in debt. So your children will inherit that debt. And while they're working off that debt, they will not be able to be free. They will be too busy working off your debt because you've cursed your children with that debt. So everybody who's taking a stimulus check is cursing their children with debt. Everybody who's looking to the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority are cursing their children because all these benefits are coming to you by debt. So verse 6 goes on, Wherewith shall I come before the Lord and bow myself before the high God. Shall I come before him with burnt offerings? With calves of a year old? If you, if you go to that page, we have an article on burnt offerings. What are burnt offerings? You think it has something to do with fire? Setting sheep on fire? Setting calves on fire? Burning them up? No. It has to do with giving up entirely some sacrifice into the hands of a third party to provide welfare for your community. That's what the Levites are supposed to do. They were to serve the tabernacles of the congregation. That's the same word, tents of the congregation. The Levites were the welfare of Israel. And they had resources because they were freely given up entirely to the Levites. We explain this in Sacrifice of Sophistry in the book That Kingdom Come, all free online. We show you that the words, I mean, the Levites were supposed to get the kidneys. We we butchered an old ram the other day and I pulled out the kidneys and handed them to the guy that was standing next to me and he says, this is your share if you want to be a Levite. You get that, and oh, here, take the fat with you, because you want that fat. But the same word for kidneys is the same word for reins of control. The Levites weren't getting the kidneys. They were getting the reins of control of the sacrifice that was burnt up to the people who gave it up entirely. And now he could redistribute this gift to God, to the needy of society. And it was all provided by free will offerings, not taxation. It was freely given. And what was freely given, you can freely receive. But what was taken by force, you should not partake of. Because that is things sacrificed not to God, 
of heaven, but the idols of men. So anyway, that's another whole, but there's links there. So you can go look up burnt offering and find out what that was. I can actually put in some more links. I'll, this will remind me when I'm going through the audios so that calves will take you to what, what's a golden calf? What's the red heifer? They tell you all this in there, but your ministers won't tell you because they sit in darkness. They want to be your comforter because there's a lot of money in being a comforter. Now, some might be close to repentance, but we'll just have to see on a case-by-case basis. But I don't have to judge. I'm just telling you what the gospel actually says, what the Old Testament actually says. And if you want to be a follower of Moses, you better be listening to this because... Moses was telling you to love thy neighbor, not covet his goods, especially to men who exercise authority. And Jesus was telling you the same thing. And Peter was telling you the same thing. He even told you that through covetous practices you would become merchandise. What's that merchandise? You're back in the bondage of Egypt. And what minister has told you this? Well, if your minister hasn't told you this... You probably needs to change ministers. And in the kingdom of God, you can do that anytime you want. But you better change it to a minister of God who is actually going to tell you the truth. Because he's actually a watchman on the wall of God's temple. Will the Lord be pleased with thousands of rams and with tens of thousands of rivers of oil? Shall I give my firstborn for my transgression, the fruit of my body for the sin of my soul? He hath showed thee, O man, what is good, and what doth the Lord require of thee, but to do justly, and to love mercy, and to walk humbly with thy God." How in the world do you love mercy when you are sending men to your neighbor's house to force your neighbor to contribute to what you want? Your eyes will be darkened. You will not see the light because you have chosen the way of Balaam and the Nicolaitan. You have chosen to become uh, conquered by your desire for the wages of unrighteousness. Not the wages of righteousness. If you were, if these contributions were freely given, you could freely receive them. But since they are taken by men who exercise authority and force the contributions of your neighbor, they are the wages of unrighteousness. That's simple. It's not complicated. The Lord's voice crieth unto the city, and the man of wisdom shall see thy name. Hear ye the rod. There's that word again. Which one is it? Well, maybe I'll put in a footnote so you can see which one that is. And who hath appointed it? Are there yet the treasures of wickedness? What are the treasures of wickedness? That's those wages of unrighteousness. That everybody wants. Those benefits that come to you because somebody has forced your neighbor to contribute. Or are going to force your children to slave without wages to pay back the debt that you created when you cursed your children with that debt 
by taking things you had not yet earned. You see, at every turn, you're abandoning the ways of God. Is it any wonder that you are cursed because you're an abominable example of true Christianity, of true Judaism? If you were a true Jew and follower of Moses, you would be a follower of Christ. But you are caught up in rituals and soothsayer phrases, words and phrases that don't have the meaning and spirit of God in them. So the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked, that's those who covet their neighbor's goods through the agency of men who exercise authority, that's the house of the wicked, and the scant measure that is abominable, in other words, you're not going to have abundance. You're going to have shortage after shortage after shortage. I was just in a store yesterday without a mask. <laughs> and, uh, or it was the day before yesterday. And, uh, I was asking for a certain tool. I needed a certain size Allen wrench. And they didn't have it. He says, well, we keep ordering tools and they don't come. There's evidently a shortage of metal and we can't get it or anything. And so I held up the two packets and I thought, well, maybe I can make one of these work and maybe grind it down or something. And I held it and I looked at him and I asked that still small voice in in my heart, should I buy one of these? And I weighed them against that voice and it said no. And I put them back. When I came back, to the home place I walked into the shop I walked down this little aisle and I thought I'm going to look in this old old toolbox that just has odds and ends in it and I reached in there and right on the top was the Allen wrench I needed <laughs> I didn't know it yet I actually brought the bolt because it's to put the uh, crawler back together uh, I brought the bolts home to clean them up uh, from the desert, and uh, I tested it. It fits perfectly. So God told me, don't buy from them. I I have it hidden for you. <laughs> so I went and got it. But that's the way the Holy Spirit works. And it needs to work in a big way in your life. But you have to repent and seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness and be willing to fast from the treasures of wickedness from from the unrighteous uh, benefits that the world offers you at the expense of your neighbor. So the, this is what the Lord's voice is crying out according to Micah. Are, are there yet the treasures of wickedness in the house of the wicked? Yes, there are. But you don't want to eat of that table. In order to not eat of that table, you need to start preparing the table of the Lord which is to gather together in free assemblies, freely offering to men who understand the mission of the ministers of God and the priests of God, which is to care for one another through faith, hope, and charity. It, this is elder-driven, and an elder is head of a family. He's not, it's not an office of the church. It's an office of the people. It's the, head, the eldest head of that family. And he chooses what minister. If he doesn't see that minister doing the job of the ministry, but you have to understand what it is, that job is not to tickle your ears. For the rich men thereof are full of violence. See? 
That's what they're going to tell you. Verse 11 says, Shall I count them pure with the wicked balances and with a bag of deceitful weights? Do you have just weights and measures in your country? Even if you went back to gold and silver, it would be not enough. Gold and silver and copper and, and just weights and measures, whatever you're weighing, whether it's whatever you're using as money. If you went back to that, but you yourself are not full of mercy and love for one another, it will do you no good. And if you're not sitting down in the tens, hundreds, and thousands for the purposes of Christ to care for one another as much as you would like others to care for you through a voluntary system, you will not be free. So shall I count them pure with the wicked balances and with a bag of deceitful weights? For the rich men thereof are full of violence because they take and take and take and take and take. And the inhabitants thereof have spoken lies. And their tongue is deceitful in their mouth. But you're listening to them as if they are your soothsayers. And like Ezekiel says, there's a conspiracy. (laughs) I'm sorry, I didn't bring it up. Ezekiel did. (laughs) Therefore, also will I make thee sick in smiting thee. In making thee desolate because of thy sins. That's what's coming. We talked about it at the beginning of the show. You're going to be sick. It's not God made this sickness. It's not God who made this disease. It's your pharmacia. It's your witchcraft that has devised this synthetic poison that people are running down and getting injected into their bodies. Where's that going to take you? Repent. If you truly repent and seek the kingdom of God and His righteousness, there is a remedy. But I'm not telling you on the radio. You know, I don't, I'm not casting my pearls before swine, and I'm sure there's a couple of swine listening. So, if you want to seek the kingdom of God, listen to the still small voice that tells you the ways of righteousness of Christ. Therefore also will I make thee sick in smiting thee. This is not, God is not planning on making you sick. It's built into the system. If you're not going to follow the truth and the ways of truth, you're going to go the way of the lie and the wicked. And the wicked don't love you. As a matter of fact, the wicked of the wicked wants you dead. They want to Get rid of billions of you. They want to sterilize your society and take it away from you so that you will not have dominion. Remember what the first commandment of God is? Dress it and keep it. Well, you're about to lose it. But evil can't kill you. It has to get you to kill yourself. That's one of the reasons why this shutdown has killed thousands and thousands of people have fallen prey to suicide. Have fallen prey to depression. This was the plan. The conspiracy. As Ezekiel said, he said it, not me. (laughs) So people said, oh, he's talking about conspiracies. No, I'm just talking about Ezekiel. He's talking about conspiracies. Thou shalt eat but not be satisfied. <laughs> well, that's 
that's what comes from GMOs. <laughs> so, <laughs> but, uh, and you go to church, but you'll not be satisfied because you're just going to a building full of ear ticklers. But if you seek the ways of God, you will become food efficient. You'll become a righteous soul who does not live by bread alone. And thy casting down shall be in the midst of thee. And thou shalt take hold, but shall not deliver. And that which thou deliverest will I give up to the sword. So, there's a lot of things coming. People are thinking, oh, well, they can't, can't do that. Well, they did it. Oh, they can't do that. Well, they're doing it. Uh, I mean, if I told you two years ago that they're going to tell you that the flu is a pandemic, and so therefore they have to shut down the whole economy of the world, so that there's going to be shortages of food and shortages of tool and shortages of fuel and shortages of everything. And they're going to get everybody to wear masks even though almost nobody is getting sick. They will shut down the schools even though children are almost totally immune to the disease. They're not necessarily immune to the vaccination. They're immune to the disease. It's different. Your body will produce the S1 protein that is a synthetic protein, if you get COVID. But your body will kill every cell in your body that is replicating COVID. Just like it does if you're replicating some other foreign virus. It will kill them and it will tell all the other living souls and uh, cells and new cells in your body not to replicate that ever again. But the replicating going on when they inject intermuscularly this new vaccination, your body may not shut that off. Now, there are ways to maybe get the body to shut that off, but best you do not get contaminated. And that way may not be quite ready for you yet. So, (laughs) we're not going to go into that. But seek the kingdom of God and the answers will come to you through the Holy Spirit. So anyway, but shalt not deliver. That is an important thing. That what you're seeking, the the soothsayers, the watchmen on the wall, well, they will not deliver you. They will give you up to the sword. And that's that's another phase that's coming farther down the line. And uh you can anybody who is a good watchman on the wall can see that coming. But I'm not going to explain to you what that all means right now. But I may explain it to the ministers who, if you form that congregations of tens, hundreds, and thousands, I will share it with those who are walking in the way of faith instead of the way of force, which is the way most of you have gone. You need to repent of that and go the righteous way. So verse 15, Thou shalt sow, but thou shalt not reap. Thou shalt tread the olives, but thou shalt not anoint thee with the oil. Now, that word tread there, press, because they used to press the olives to get the olive oil out. And, of course, oil isn't, it's representative of what comes from following the ways of righteousness. The difficulty of following the ways of righteousness, the sacrifice that you make in following the ways of righteousness 
produces a spiritual oil in your life. It lubricates the coming of the Holy Spirit. So you don't want to be found without oil. So, and sweet wine. What is that? That's also another metaphor. And we've talked about this in other places. But shalt not drink wine. So we're down to verses, verse 16. And we'll take a look at that. And then we'll sum up some of the things that we've learned in Micah 6 when we come back. Okay, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. So we're in this Micah 6 and we're down to verse 16, which is uh, basically the last verse of the uh, this chapter. For the statutes of Omri are kept, and all the works of the house of Ahab, and ye walk in their counsels, that I should make thee a desolation and the inhabitants thereof a hissing. Therefore ye shall bear the reproach of my people. So, what is this council of Omri? The statutes of Omri. The people of Judah, instead of keeping the commandments of the Lord diligently, which would include the Sabbath, which is not counting seven days and then taking Saturday off, but working first and then enjoying your rest as opposed to enjoying your rest and owing your labor. Sabbath is about debt and avoiding debt by earning your way and then reaping the rewards of that expenditure. Of time and energy, etc. And of course you can't enjoy the rewards of that expenditure if you've given power to men to take away from you what you produced. They can force your contributions and they can do that because you asked them and signed up with them. We'll sign up with you. You take care of us in our old age And we empower you to take from our neighbor. Of course, you can't empower them to take from your neighbor. Your neighbor has to sign up too. But all of you together signed up and became the mountain in the cities, the people of the cities. So now the civil authority gets to force your contribution and take from you to provide supposedly you with benefits. But your priests get to exercise authority one over the other. They get to decide what you get and what you don't get. And because they get to borrow against the future, you end up so that no benefit you get from government, no forgiving of debts or any of those kinds of things, student loans, etc. All of that comes to you by way of borrowed money. Borrowed against what? Borrowed against the future. Not only of your future, but of your children's future. Because you can't pay back this debt. It's too big. Now, Christ paid the debt of those who would follow him. If, If you got the baptism of Jesus Christ at the time of Jesus Christ, to his apostles, Jesus didn't baptize anybody. But if you got the baptism of Jesus Christ... You were cast out of the system. 
if there was any debt involved with the pharisaical system, you didn't know it anymore because they cast you out. That's what happened in Egypt. When you were in Egypt, actually at that particular time, Egypt was in debt because the guy sitting on the throne didn't really have the right to the throne. He was put in place by the powers, you know, those conspiratorial powers behind the scenes. Put that pharaoh into place. He wasn't the legitimate rightful heir to the throne of Pharaoh. And he was spending lots of money on wars and all kinds of other things. And they were literally getting bankrupt. But the reality was the Israelites, he didn't really let them go. He cast them out. They weren't called out. They were cast out. Well, now they didn't have anybody to help them anymore. No, they're not going to get leeks and onions. They're not going to get straw. We, he canceled that program right from the beginning. But now they were on their own. And they were going to have to go out and serve the God of creation. How are they going to do that? Well, that, that's the rest of the story. But the reality was they were cast out. And they had to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Through these free will offerings, these sacrifices in congregations of tens, hundreds, and thousands, which is the way in which they organized. That way of organizing people had been around for all the way back to even before Nimrod. Nimrod even organized the people into the tens, hundreds, and thousands, but he did it from the top down. In the kingdom of God, you have to do it from the bottom up because it's a voluntary system. I'm not going to tell you what congregation to get into. I'm not going to tell you what to give and when to give it. You have to start making those choices. And I'm reading here from the Alcott commentary for the English reader on the statutes of Omri. The people of Judah, instead of keeping the commandments of not coveting your neighbor's goods, of not, you know, creating systems with your own hands that where men who exercise authority can force the contributions of the people legally, because that's what you've agreed to. The Lord diligently adopted the statutes of the house of Omri and the founder of the idolatrous dynasty of Ahab. I have links there to articles on idolatry. What is idolatry? Actually, I don't have the one in there, but I will put it in. And that's my reminder (laughs) to do that. To constantly be expanding this opportunity of learning how it works. But what will really teach you how it works is the Holy Spirit if you repent and start actually walking in the ways of Christ. They reproduce the sins of the northern kingdom and their conduct was aggravated by the advantages of vouchsafed to them. The greatness of their reproach should therefore be in proportion to the greatness of the glory which properly belonged to them as the people of God. See, you're claiming to be a Christian, but you're going to men who exercise authority one over the other. They call themselves benefactors to get your benefits. That's your, your punishment will be in proportion to what you're doing. A lot of people are in this system because nobody told them. I'm telling you. I'm showing you. I, I'm showing you with hundreds of articles 
and that go actually into the language itself. I mean, you don't need all that evidence if God is writing upon your hearts and on your minds. You should just already realize it. It's really simple. You don't... I put in all these facts and information for those of little faith who only believe by the signs and wonders and the evidence. But the reality is the evidence should be in your heart that it's not loving your neighbor to force him to contribute to your welfare. Even even Jeremiah warns of the brutish pastors. Uh, the pastors are become brutish and have not sought the Lord. Therefore, they shall not prosper and all the flocks shall be scattered. That's Jeremiah 10.21. How are the pastors brutish? They don't have a daily ministration based on faith, hope, and charity. Most of your daily ministration in almost every church in the United States, almost, because there are a few exceptions, most of the needy of your society is taken care of by public religion, by those men who exercise authority, those brutish men who force the contributions of the people. It's not done in church. It's done by the priests of your civil society who force the contributions of your neighbor or borrow against the future or both. And your pastors are just there, you know, your pastors in what you call the church are just there to tickle your ears and say, oh, that's okay. You can covet your neighbor's goods now because Jesus saved you. So now you can sin with impunity. Do you think that's the truth? You think you can, as a matter of policy, covet your neighbor's goods and men who exercise authority and still claim Jesus as your king, as your savior, as your sultor? You can't do that. You're a worker of iniquity. He's going to tell you, get ye from me. The good news is you've got time to repent. Not a lot of time. That's the bad news. But you do have some time. So in John 3.20 it says, For everyone that doeth evil hateth the light, neither cometh to the light, lest his deeds should be reproved. This is one of the hardest things about beginning to see the truth, is you have to see the truth about yourself. But that's also one of the beautiful things, that if you have the humility to do that, you can go from being a Nicolaitan to being a free soul under God. Revelations 2.6 But this thou hast, thou, that thou hatest the deeds of the Nicolaitans, which I also hate. That's God telling you. He also hates that. So you have to turn around. Don't go the way of Balaam. This is what he's telling you. Is that the ways of Balaam is what you've done. The ways of the Nicolaitan is what you've done. You've created these systems with your own hands. That takes away from your neighbor. That, covet, that does not show mercy. That offers you all kinds of benefits, which are the treasures of wickedness and the wages of unrighteousness. You don't want that. And your share will become scant because you have wicked balances. I mean, the, the men who are now running things in this institution you have created for yourselves, for your social security... For your protection are filled with deceitful weights from the beginning. Where is your mercy? Where is your love? Where is your sacrifice? Where are you actually following the ways of Christ? Will you repent? Think differently now. 
that I've shown this to you. And will you seek the kingdom of God, which operates by faith, hope, charity, by love itself? Or will you continue to follow in the ways of unrighteousness? Will you seek the ways of righteousness instead? Will you sit down in the tens, hundreds and thousands, as Christ commanded his disciples to make the people do that? Now, they don't... They're not going to go around and say, you ten guys come together. No. They're just not going to be any loaves and fishes for you until you do what Christ said. And that's the way it was at the loaves and fishes. There was not going to be any sharing of loaves and fishes with the people until they sat down. 5,000 men in their families. That's That's got to be at least 20,000, maybe 30,000, 40,000 people. Those men and their families, if you're an elder of a family at that particular time, you were probably grandpa. And then you had sons and unmarried daughters. And your sons could have five, ten kids apiece. So when they say men and their families, they're talking the elder and their families. One man and his family could represent 40 people. So 40 times 5,000. All out there in the country. All going to be fed by loaves and fishes. Where all these come from? They came from those people who have mercy written in their hearts. Who have love written in their hearts. Who are not looking for the wages of unrighteousness. Not looking for the free handout of the world. And suddenly when you gather that kind of people together you will have the blessings of God. And you will see the fruits of that love for one another. If you don't go that way, expect your your benefits to be scant because they're going to get scanter and scanter and scanter. <laughs> As time goes, that's, that's a little prophecy. Uh, which way are you going to go? Are you going to go the way of righteousness? Because, you know, you look at Micah 7, it starts right off with, Woe is me, for I am as when they have gathered the summer fruits, as the grape leaning of the vintage. There is no cluster to eat. My soul desired the first striped fruit. The good man is perished out of the earth. And there is none upright amongst men. They all lie in wait for blood. What's that lying in wait for blood? They talk about that in Proverbs. Let's all have one purse. That's socialism. Let's lurk privately for the blood of the innocent. For what? For gain. They want, this is why socialism is so popular. These people sit in darkness. They don't know. All this came about, I was talking to a principal, long-time principal of schools. And, uh, I mean, he used to be a professional ball player, and then he became a principal of a high school. And he's really a great guy, nice guy. I like him a lot. But he was saying, well, we've done a pretty good job in the public schools. I said, of the kids graduating from high school think that socialism is a good form of government. 
How in the world can you imagine that you did a good job when they're coming out of your school thinking socialism, which is is in essence the covetous practices of the heathen, <laughs> where we all have one purse and lurk privately for the blood of the innocent. We force the contributions of our neighbor at the point of a gun or sword or whatever you want to use. How is that going to lead to righteousness? You know, I didn't explain all that at that time, but I've had these conversations with them. And uh, we're still friends. But it isn't enough to be a friend of mine. You have to be a friend of God. You have to admit this. You have to see this. And then your life won't be falling apart all the time. And uh, when everything falls apart, you will still have life everlasting. Because your soul will be plugged in to the light of Christ. And the righteousness of Christ. Because right now, when I look out there in the world, it does kind of look like good men have perished out of the earth. And it may start looking that way more and more. I mean, we are invaded by zombies who are going around taking a bite out of one another. They themselves have been devoured and now they want to devour you. And, you know, they're trying to create chaos. You know, letting the actual criminals go and making criminals of people who take back their responsibilities. You can't just take back your responsibility. You have to do it in righteousness because you're going to need the Holy Spirit. You're going to need the intervention of God. You are not going to save yourself by following some 10-step program to being saved or being set free or being, you know, get out of the system You're not going to do that. You have to get into the system of God by seeing the error of your way, thinking differently, and start coming together according to the Spirit of Christ, which is coming together that others might be saved. If you're going to gather in this congregation of tens, hundreds of thousands to save yourself, to save your family, and... Almost everybody will to some degree or another. But hopefully as they do that, they will see their selfishness and admit it, repent of it, and get better and better at the skill of liberty under God. Because that's a skill. That that way of righteousness is a skill that is not learned easily. It is learned just like Christ came by his life where he sacrificed himself. No greater love have a man than to lay down his life for his fellow man. You lay down your life in righteousness in the ways of Christ and you will pick up your life more abundantly. So that's, that's kind of the formula. But how do you do that? You can't, you can't do that with your eye upon the gain. You have to do that out of love. And love is sacrifice. That's why the same word that is translated into love often is the same word also translated into charity. Charity is free will sacrifice. Free will offerings. Giving up 
of yourself, of your time, of your energy, of your life, laying it down for others, one day at a time, one hour at a time, one minute at a time, with nothing but hope that you might be able to pick it up. You cast your bread upon the waters in hope that it may come back to you. You give to others in hope that they will be there for you. You cannot guarantee it. There is no entitlement. Whatever you receive by way of God's plan will be by grace. But if you will not walk in the ways of Christ, do not expect the grace of Christ. He will say, pray he does not say to you, get ye from me, ye workers of iniquity. So, some of the things that we have coming up, so that's seven, we won't get farther into uh, that that last little bit was from seven, but this show was on Micah six. You can get copies of everything that we're talking about, and uh, eventually all the recordings will be available uh, within time on Micah, as well as we've already got many of the epistles already gone through. There, when we're putting up more or more at preparingyou.com, if you want to support us uh, in our work. Join the network. The network's just an email network at preparing you, but when you join that network, you will have the opportunity of becoming a part of the living network. But you have to choose that. You'll you you'll choose a minister, hopefully hopefully a congregation that is close to you as we can get it. But then you start working together with those people that you join with in these free assemblies. To reach out to other people, other social media, try to get this message out to as many people and, and seek, uh, you know, we have to look in the hedges or wherever to get people to start gathering together in the tens, hundreds, and thousands with the intent of Christ and the, and the purposes of Christ. And, uh, as each group begins to grow, they keep dividing off into the tens, hundreds, and thousands and organizing yourselves accordingly. And organizing and figuring out who is the minister who shows up, who cares not just about his congregation, which isn't his, it's the congregation of Christ. It's the congregation he's responsible for. And how is he responsible for it? Does he get to tell them what to think and what to believe and what to do? Christ has already done that. What he has to do is connect them with the hundreds and thousands by sitting down in that pattern his he's not your comforter he's not your guide your guide is the holy spirit now obviously he needs to have access to the holy spirit too but that's what you guys have to work out together yeah you minister to your minister more than your minister ministers to you in the kingdom of god What your minister does is connect you with all the other congregations, all the other altars of clay, all the other free assemblies, so that you are a part of the kingdom of God. But the kingdom of God, the ministers are not king. You're king of your own house, and you will stay king of your own house if you make God in heaven, the God of creation, the king of your heart. If you don't, if you don't follow the ways 
of God, the ways of Christ, which were the ways of Moses and the ways of Abraham, which had nothing to do with counting days and rituals and cloth and aprons and and locks in your hair. Those are symbols. Even somebody asked me about circumcision the other day. It's circumcision of the heart that makes a difference. Circumcision of the flesh is just circumcision of the flesh. But circumcision of the soul, of the heart, of the mind, where you cut out and and separate yourself from the pleasures of vanity and seek the nature of God, which God created this universe in service to man. So, if you're actually coming in the name of God, you will be gathering together in service of one another. And service of one another is not tickling their ears or making them uh, comfortable in their sin. If It's bringing light into the room. And when you bring light into the room, people will see their failings. They will see their weaknesses. They will see their impatience. They will see their anger. They will see their judgment. They will see their lack of mercy for one another. And those who wish to repent of that will go deeper into their own hearts where they can wait upon the Lord and hear what the Lord has to say to them individually. But anyway, till then, peace on your house and may God be with you. Join us on the network. Become a part of that seeking the kingdom of God and his righteousness. God bless. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. Thank you.